Welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast, the weekly show on all things music-related. I'm Ryan, as always, here with Jeremy. How's everybody doing out there? So last week we interviewed Killbot, which is already like one of our most watched episodes. So thank you for everybody who's tuned in to check out Killbot and his hilarious antics in the video. I just want to uh, say that Ryan and I do not think 80s and 90s hip-hop is soulless. That is Killbot's opinion and his opinion only. Everybody's got a different taste. <laughs> but that's funny, though, that you I just, I had don't to know. set the disclaimer. Gotta put it out there. So, any news for us, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. So, this is uh, sad, and every time we have news, as Ryan has said, it is always somebody dying. Today is no different. Jim Durkin of Dark Angel passed away. He was only 58. He has a GoFundMe to cover the costs of his final arrangements and medical bills. We were just talking a minute ago. It's a shame. I think uh, James Hatfield should pony up some cash. Uh, I would agree. Dick riding the thrash category from a band who did it so well also. Well, they were more metal than thrash, but still, they were around right in the same time and the same come up, and it's fucked up that, I mean, they can't afford to be buried. I know, I don't don't understand. And it's his wife, Annie, uh, 34 years, man, like, married to her since probably the second fucking Death Angel album, Frolic in the Park, probably. Yeah. Like the first three, I fucking love them, man. They're good, good. Like you said, they Metallica are classics out. that never get mentioned either. Yeah, and they never get old to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like even you'd think like it would uh, date, but it it sounds good. Anyway, Metallica just bought their own pressing plant. I don't know if you've seen that. I did hear that. I don't know. I didn't get to read if like they're gonna be specifically specifically doing just Metallica releases or if like. They're going to be doing other bands kind of more like uh, Third Man Records does. I don't know which it is. I, I mean, would it, it would be cool if they bring on other bands and start, you know, helping ease the vinyl delays that are out there, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say, but, you know, if I'm Lars, I'm thinking I can make a fuck ton more money by pressing all these other bands. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it would be wise, and there's probably a lot of bands that would be like, oh, cool, Metallica's pressing our records. Like, you know, that's some type of statement to be said, but hopefully they do well with it and doesn't just become a place where they're cranking out Metallica albums. Uh Because wherever they're doing it right now needs to fucking slow down. Yeah, they're out all the time. I mean, they get repressed twice a year, it seems like. That or they just came out with an endless quantity of them originally, but yeah, and there's a million different the ones that are out there that are all the same master. Yeah, the ones that are out there are like probably the same ones that were done years ago, and they just keep reusing those plates, right? Pumping out the same right. master. I don't really know though. I haven't read into it because I don't really. The only one that I I can compare. Is I have a forty-five half-speed master of Kill 'Em All, and that yeah, does from the box set that they or it wasn't a box set. It wasn't but a the box individual set. album is technically a box set. Oh, okay. Because they redid pretty much all their 
records in that fashion. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you can hear shit in there that you can't hear on other presses. Yeah. However, that's the only one. All the rest of them are. I mean, I can't tell the difference. That original record does sound kind of shitty, like from the get go. Yeah. So I haven't heard that box or the. I don't want to keep calling it box set. I haven't heard that album in that fashion. I did hear. I think Injustice for All and Master of Puppets. Oh, I heard both of those. That'd be good. I do not have an original, original Kill 'Em All. I have one on the Electra label to compare it to. And, like, yeah, it doesn't sound that great on there, honestly. It but, sounds but once like, you hear that, you're like, oh, you can't yeah. go back. Well, the original, from what I've heard, just sounds like the mids cranked way up. And it's just very glassy sounding. And it's, there's no low end to it. And it's, oh, don't. Yeah, there's no bass at all. Yeah, so it's just so noisy. And, yeah, and you can't hear uh, Cliff, which is what makes that half speed, I guess, all the better. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, though, we're not here to talk about Metallica. Oh, my bad. So today we have Mario and Kim from Upstate Records with us, and we're going to be jumping into our interview with them here shortly. They did want to display one of their newer singles by Fury of Five, the track called Revenge Doesn't Sleep. Classic so, fucking band, Fury of Five. Feel the fucking Fury style. So we're going to get into that and play that, and then after that we'll jump into the conversation with Mario and Kim. Revenge Doesn't Sleep, motherfucker! Upstate Records here with us today. Thank you guys for taking the time to jump on the show. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. How's it going? Thanks for having us on. Good, good. It's supposed to be warm, but it's cold, but you know, it happens. Yeah, we get yeah. that lake effect wind here from Lake Huron, and uh, right now it, it cuts right through you. Well, it's actually a beautiful day here in upstate New York. A lot of snow on the ground, but warm. Yeah. 
Well, that's good. So I'm going to jump right into it, really. Um, you guys started this label in 2017, if I read correctly. And then, yep, at the tail end of 2017. And then in 2020, you partnered with Blood Blast Distribution. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, Blood Blast Distribution is a digital service provider or aggregator that gets our music up on all the streaming platforms, you know, you know, typicals, but, you know, iTunes, Spotify and all that. But what's really unique about Blood Blast is they spawned out of Nuclear Blast Records. Okay. Well, unlike the other aggregators that are out there, like TuneCore or DistroKid, Blood Blast is very heavy music oriented, you know, metal, hardcore, and it really helps with getting that reach to that targeted audiences that we appeal to. Um, and also they have phenomenal customer service, unlike the other aggregators out there. You're just not a number, you're an actual entity that you have a connection with. They've been absolutely phenomenal and really helped us grow. Oh, that's good to hear. Are they an American-based company or are they nuclear blasts like Germany? I think their home base is out of France. Okay. But they have reps here in the U.S. that take care of us. Right on. We use a site called RSS to get all our shit to all the streaming platforms, but I think podcasts are a little bit different than music uploads. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that's great about Blood Blast is their playlist pitching. So they really take the time to pitch the singles and the albums and everything out. Yeah, which is a big deal with a lot of the bands. You get onto you know a big playlist and the exposure just goes through the roof. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's hard to get your stuff out there noticed with the amount of new music that comes out every single week. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Every single day, it seems like, you know, new music is dropping. So, it, yeah, you're absolutely correct. You know, there's a lot of a lot of healthy competition out there with bands pumping out music. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we do this podcast in the back of my record store. So I keep up on all the new releases across all genres of music just for the sake of the stocking the store every week. And there's four to six hundred releases every every single week that come out. That's definitely believable. That's insane. So is that like a published listing of releases or is that something you need to sign up for? Um, I have eight different distributors that I do business with between like Relapse Records Alliance, uh, Ingram, Revolver, Metal Blade, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of got to do my own research. Like I get emails of weekly releases, but I kind of got to go out there and check to see what is actually going to be worthwhile to get to have in the store. Because if I just went on a whim and bought every 400, 500 release that came out that week, I'd be broken screwed (laughs) broken screwed (laughs) i like it i use an app called upcoming vinyl and uh that doesn't have everything but it has a lot you know i mean it'll have four to seven hundred releases and it's all dated and updated regular i glance at that every now and then awesome well definitely have to add you guys to our list and if there's anything that strikes your fancy please let us know yeah that was actually going to be a question later on in the episode is to work out something with that too so we'll talk about that on instagram or whatever yeah awesome i understand you two are married correct yes Uh, are we yeah no No, we've been married for what 16 years how'd you guys meet 
and where? <laughs> you know, it, it's a really unique story. Um, we met at a bar. Not that that ever happens anymore, you know? <laughs> it's really unique. I'm, I met you at a bar. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have this, like, really dry kind yeah. of sense of humor <laughs> where I slip in these Oh, yeah, jokes. no, no, yeah, we, got, we know what's up. Now, we, we met at a bar, and, um, you know, we were actually just talking about this, and I don't want to say it was love at first sight, but it was pretty darn close. Yeah. And Although know, it took probably a year or so before we actually got together. Yeah. All right, on. What was, a, yeah, well, go ahead. why was it a year? So you guys dating other people or? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> I was with somebody else, so I wasn't very nice to him at the tail end, I don't think. <laughs> Who, me or him? No, the other guy. Yeah, but what was, what's interesting, fun fact, is her ex-boyfriend's birthday, birthday is the is same, the same as yours. Mine, so she, she didn't even have to remember a new birthday. No, uh, that made it easy. That's, that's a score. That's yeah, probably half the selling crazy. point right there. <laughs> Not that I can remember it anyways, you know. <laughs> okay, so you guys meet, you've been married. What brought you to this point? You know, um, starting a label, you know, music. Yeah, and that's a it's kind of a cool story. We both come from musical backgrounds, and just right from the get go, we shared that passion for music. You know, I played in bands, and at the time, I was actually getting my recording studio off the ground, recording bands, you know, hardcore bands locally. Um, some hip hop bands and, you know, Kim's got a diverse background, but mainly heavy music as well. So it just kind of developed from there. And we've always had like a little bit of a entrepreneur kind of attitude, if you will. Right. Let's say back in the early 2000s, we were running a production company yeah. called Hellbound Productions. And we did like audio and video and okay. graphics and stuff like that. Yep, uh, see, we did our own in-house CD duplication, shrink wrapping, and all. Oh, <laughs> so man. you guys have been fucking with you know, music for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. And then kids came along, um, and that put everything on pause for... For a little bit. Probably about seven years. Not quite. You were still playing in bands, yeah. um, but right in the, like, tail end between when we started up the label, and we did kind of have to step back a little bit. Just, you know, life gets busy. Oh, yeah. most definitely, man. You're t We both have a child uh ryan and i have kids and you know sometimes it's tough to get everything in that you want yeah well then you throw in jobs on top of it so right, get out right. and everything made it really hard definitely yeah. and, it, and we're always you know we got to balance those priorities you know one day it's the kids one day it's you know sports family things label seeing shows and everything so it, it's a constant juggle as you guys know is it labor of love though Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. It's I mean, worth it. You know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love what we're doing. Like Kim said, we have our day jobs. We're not doing this for the money. It's just really just help bands um, get their music out there, support them, and stay connected. I mean, we have so many friends that are in the scene. If we weren't connected, you know, we'd lose those connections. Yeah, for sure. So who does what between you so two? Who, who runs what? Yeah, well, a lot of the duties we kind of overlap with. So anything when it comes to, you know, onboarding with bands, finding talent and everything, we work together. Mm -hmm. But then we kind of differentiate. Mario handles more of the PR side, and then I handle more of the video graphics and art side. Okay, okay. Yeah, we stepped into running the label. You know, we had some experiences, you know, how to do some things. 
But as you know, with running any business, there's more layers to operating that business, you know, whether it's accounting, marketing, uh, networking, setting up calls. So, or even, you know, the digital distribution formatting, getting things ready for production. And as we've continued to grow, you know, like Kim said, she does more of the, the graphics. I do maybe more of the PR, A&R type stuff. But as we've grown together, we definitely complement each other with that overlap. So if I can't get to something, she jumps in and vice versa. You know, it's bittersweet that we're a married couple because in the other business, you know, you check out at five o'clock and we'll see you again tomorrow at eight o'clock or whatever. Uh We're constantly, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. Sometimes we even have to look at each other and say, all right, let's put the label down for a second. So we'll put it down and we'll come back five minutes later. Next, you know, we're talking about, you know, what our <laughs> strategies are. So it, it's kind of, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a hardcore fat record. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so a lot of fun. You guys offer mixing, mastering, merchandising, video production, social media promotion, graphics, tour booking, et cetera. I mean, is, is it just you two or do you guys have other people that help you out too? So the majority of it is just the two of us. We have brought on two new people, Taylor and Liam, and they help more with maybe radio campaigning, social media. Um, like a street team almost? Yeah, a, a little, little bit, bit more, more than that. You could almost look at them as heading up the street team. Oh, okay. So Liam worked at WSOU. He went to Seton Hall, and I think Taylor did Taylor too, did as well, yes. Right? And they went to school for broadcasting, um, and they developed a lot of connections, and we developed a friendship and they're really good people and it was just natural for them to get involved they're kind of you know involved on a official unofficial type basis you know this is all kind of like resume material for them but it's Uh, all they're really helpful in what they're doing to help promote the bands and it was more fitting because they're a couple as well you know yeah oh that's cool and do you want to talk about europe or yeah of course so we also have a kuba who is starting to take over the European chapter that kind of got off the ground during COVID. So it was a little rocky to get things going. And now we're starting to turn it back around and, and get him set up over there to start taking on bands as well and handling distro. And So you're stretching upstate over to the UK. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and he's got a distribution network as well inside of the UK and outside. He's got another distributor for us in Poland that can reach all of Europe, all of Europe. Because I don't know if you guys know, UK succeeded from the union. Uh, So there's all these other Brexit taxes, they call, and it makes the shipping a nightmare to go from the UK to Germany. So we had to come up with another solution in order to avoid those taxes and then offsetting the the shipping cost. And the main goal is really killer from over there. Anytime you got to order something like, I have distribution with Peaceville, and their shipping's usually pretty pricey. And I've ordered stuff from, like, independent drops that comes from Italy or Germany or wherever around there. It supersedes the price of the record a lot of times. Absolutely. And this is what we're trying to eliminate is that issue. Gotcha. I know. We get orders in from Europe, and literally they're paying three times in the shipping compared to the price of the actual piece of item. Yeah. So do you guys have a preferred pressing plant that you use? Because I noticed a lot of your vinyl is pretty relatively cheap, so which doesn't happen a lot of times anymore. 
So I was just curious, do you have a in-home kind of thing, or do you reach out somewhere and sublet that? We we work with Pirates Press mainly. Okay. Um, we've developed a really good relationship with the folks over there, and they really come in and help us out in a pinch. You know, as you guys are probably well aware, you know, the vinyl situation's been really, really tough over the last, you know, couple of years. Oh, yeah, it's the, finally starting to kind of loosen insane. up a little bit. So he's able to see, you know, opportunities in that vinyl production, production schedule. schedule to, you know, kind of slip us in and, and get us really good turnaround times. I have the um, Annie, Annie Up 12-inch EP from you guys, and uh, that fucking sounds great. Oh, my God. That, yeah. that was one of my favorite releases. Uh, it was just so brutally heavy. Unfortunately, they dropped that, I think, in November of 2019. So here we are, you know, uh, really excited, uh, and you guys know the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I happened to see that band open up for Earth Crisis and Hellmouth, and it was like Earth Crisis 25th anniversary for Destroy the Machines, maybe? Something like that. Anyway, nice. they were like kids, and then when I saw that they had that album coming out, I couldn't believe it, you know? It's like, they really uh, upped their shit. Oh my god, yeah, that, that's... Super, super heavy. Brutal. And yeah. the production on it's just, you know, impeccable. It, it really complements the music that they wrote for that. We also had Illmatic on here, and they had yep. nothing but good things to say about you guys. Yep, awesome. Awesome. Joe and the boys, are they're great dudes. Definitely a great addition. Is that your typical style, then? You try to keep it in, like, the hardcore, mosherific kind of... <laughs> Mosherific. I love it. Um, I would say, you know, when we started the label, obviously we always said it's it's gotta be heavy. And we went through some some waves, you know, looking at like a little bit more of a punk style to almost like a death chorish. And what we found really is people really the people that follow us look at us for a certain style it really like that metallic hardcore crossover but we also like hip-hop too so when um we came across illmatic like all right this is a little bit different than what we've put out but there's we like the dudes we like the music and it seemed like a good fit and let's face it you know bands like biohazard and downset have kind of been mixing you know hip-hop and heavy music for a long time it's a little bit of a niche market you know especially when you compare it to you know traditional hardcore scene but it has a almost a bigger reach you know because it, it's reaching outside of hardcore and the response to illmatic i think it's been, it's been it's great been great oh you know, that's people cool really dig it. yeah, yeah. the album was amazing i thought it was great awesome great i like the the guilty simpson tie-in because he was mm -hmm. a detroit artist that i've listened to for a long time and i thought that was really cool to see them and then obviously aztec also and yeah. reaching that yeah, definitely great demographic is pretty good idea having those guys like guest spot on there to reach those markets yeah and, and that's something you know you do it because it fits you do it because or have these guest artists you know because it fits um, you're good friends, but it also is a, a marketing strategy a, as you're indicating. And it was absolutely fitting because Joe has a long, extensive history with hip hop. Yeah, from Suicide right. Kings. Yeah. Yeah. This is the question I wanted to ask the most, actually. How is it working with fucking Stickman? 
<laughs> Absolutely awesome. Yeah, He's been I've been uh, Fury of Five has been around forever. So you guys have like I noticed you have Fury of Five, uh, Sub Zero, some of like older bands, and then you have like the Annie Ups. How's that working with older bands that have been around forever versus these new guys? What's interesting is you know at face value you would think you know the older bands would be really difficult to work with you know because they have all these demands at least maybe that's a perception and what we found is really just the opposite because a lot of you know the older bands like sub-zero or leeway yeah fury of five um they're seasoned you know they've they've been there but they've also been on bigger labels and they recognize the pros and cons with a bigger label and what we try to do more than anything is provide that family atmosphere, that transparency, being able to call us up, uh, really eliminate any sort of label red tape. With it just being Kim and I, we're pretty darn nimble. So if a band comes up with something, they have a request, we usually can make it happen relatively quickly. Whereas, you know, if you're on a major label, it's got to go through a lot of the approval process. Oh, God, all their red tape. Right, and it's yeah. going to take, you know, three to four years for a release to come out. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's, so, uh, that's good to hear. Maybe that's just like a, I could see that just from being into hardcore, and that kind of atmosphere brings that, that non-rock star fucking, like, just be cool, normal dudes, you know? We're not fucking Steven Tyler or whatever. No, <laughs> Absolutely. It, exactly, and that's the one thing through the vetting process when we're looking at a band is, you know, do we mesh? Do we gel with their personalities? You know, it's got to be a good fit, you know, because so much of what we're doing is a partnership. You know, we're counting on the band to do things. The band's counting on us to do things. And if there's an ego involved either way, then we're just going to stall. And we're just wasting time. Yeah. So we keep everything, you know, really positive and, you know, moving it forward. And sometimes things work. Sometimes there's mistakes, but if we're open and transparent, then we usually can overcome any obstacle that's in front of us. Oh, and uh, Bloodlet, shout out to John Joseph. I fucking love that shit, too. Sorry. Yeah, John. I think that's the best John ever sounded, what's on that album. Yeah, I need yeah. to. Uh, I was actually going to order it like a week ago, but then I was. I figured I'd talk to you guys and then I'll order it. Yeah, no problem. Um, we're having a really hard time keeping them in stock. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. They are just flying, and I don't know, Kim, you probably know, it's been in the Cortex top 20 for how long now? Since mid-December. Yeah. They were number one for four or five weeks, I think, maybe four weeks. Oh, But then they've been him. up the charts since then. It's insane. Yeah, good for John. What's yeah, your guys' they're... best-selling record currently? Oof. We just continually evolve, you know? So of late, you know, Blood Clot has sold a tremendous amount you know fury five is doing phenomenal um you know these streets kind eyes sub-zero leeway brick by brick uh any up i don't know it's it's hard to pinpoint which one has done the best because the the metrics are all a little bit different in regards to the goals you know sometimes it's not about just how many units you've sold but how much market penetration you've made you know, watching their uh, socials grow. Um, a lot of it too is some of these bands are more of a digital band, yeah. so they may not be selling physical products, but their digital are through the roof. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know that makes a big difference yeah. in the f- as far as how the numbers go currently. 
So what does the um, future look like for Upstate? Is there anything you guys, aside from UK expanding, are there any other places you'd like to take it? Yeah, I say, you know, for 2023, we're definitely focused on helping the bands get out there. So networking with booking agencies, making connections with promoters and venues, because it's so important for the bands, you know, post-release to market themselves and get out there and reach the audiences that's really going to make that long-lasting connection with their fans or develop new fans. It's one thing to promote, you know, through social media and then, you know, all the media outlets. People hear it, but they got to feel it, too. Um, Because if it's just that one-dimensional hitting your ears and that's it, then it gets lost in the shuffle because like we were talking about earlier, there's so much music coming out. So we recognize and we're really, you know, encouraging the bands to get out there as much as they can. So that's been really a a major goal for us in 2023. And also while they're getting out, they're trying to hit different markets that they're not normally in, expanding where they play. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely a lot of work to get your stuff heard out there, especially like not just social media, obviously with algorithms, it's a pain in the ass, but to get somebody to actually take the initiative, like if you're playing down the street and they don't know your name or whatever, they're going to be like, and do I really want to go see those guys? So all the extra work that goes into promotion and getting your name out there really makes a difference, especially when you make it feel like you can connect to the material more and the people who make the material or distribute the material. And that makes, from the fan side, everything becomes that much more exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And it even applies to us as well. You know, for 2023, we've locked in um with a few fast you know supporting decibel magazine on their u.s tour with you know cattle decapitation and you know getting our stuff out there and supporting just like the bands should you know so we're taking the record label on the road (laughs) (laughs) what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys faced like starting up as compared to now well i think one of the biggest factors that we've run into of all time back then and even now is just time mm-hmm. managing you know that's exactly what came to my mind yeah. as well is, is time you know if we had infinite time we oh, could do so much, much more. more yeah so if you guys can help us figure that one out you know we, <laughs> yeah we're, uh, we'd like question. That everyone's dealing with it Never but that being said you know we we know that time is our biggest challenge so we're constantly looking at how we do things how to make them more efficient quicker and faster um just so that we can somewhat make time you know if a promo you know in the beginning took us an hour to put together now it's you know we've kind of figured out maybe it takes half that yeah maybe 10 minutes you know that's cool. I mean, that's that stuff makes a difference when Definitely. you're trying to crunch time like that, for sure. I get caught up in the podcast, the record store, my kid, all that stuff, and then just trying to be able to enjoy leisure time and listen to music and find new things or satisfy your own tastes. It's 24 hours should be extended for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where you just have to go out and take the time. Yeah. You know, we try to lay a little bit lower on the weekends with, you know, the amount of workload that we're doing. Of course, we're still working on the weekends, but we'll cut it down a little bit. Yeah. That's been one somewhat big change in that we used to promote social media wise, you know, seven days a week. 
Now we got to recharge the batteries. And usually, you know, on the weekends is when we take a little bit of a, a breather and work on the behind the scenes stuff on the weekends and then just, you know, look to pump out content during the week. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that too. So probably the week is the time that you really want to push it. And the weekend people are out trying to enjoy themselves or whatever, so that there's a chance they probably won't see it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they're, they're preoccupied on the weekend. So. And, and, you know, that's always been a concern of mine is, you know, we want to promote our bands, but we don't want to fall into that spammer kind of category where we're yeah. starting to turn people off. So it, it's a constant balance. You have to promote, but you want to do it as tastefully as you can and keep the content fresh um, and making sure that you don't fall into those traps where you're really just pissing people off with your content. Fucking up records again. What was you guys' first band that you brought to the label? Because if my numbers are right right now, you have 27 current bands, and then you've had 23 bands in the past, making 50 total. I don't know if there's more or less than that, but what was the first that you brought <laughs> Holy on? Holy shit. <laughs> I, I don't I, even think I knew that number. Oh, yeah. Uh, we we, we, don't fuck we around, study dude. for this shit. Yeah. We don't come into our blindside. Don't fuck around and find out. <laughs> I think uh, the first band we brought on was that nailed down. That was absolutely yeah, nailed, nailed down. down out of California was the first band we brought on. Yeah, and their vocalist Nick, um, he was extremely helpful. Yeah, he um, actually was the one that did our logo originally. The, the original logo, yeah. I was just talking with him the other day, and that's the thing that's been awesome with all these bands. You know, we don't look at it as label artist kind of relationship. It's just we developed all these friendships with these folks over the years. It's just it's incredible. And yeah. we do try to stay connected, even if the bands break up. Um, yeah. So you do live by your family and friends motto then? Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. yeah. You have to. For sure. I mean, it's important in a label, I would think. Because when we started the label, we recognize our time is very, very short to begin with. So how do we start a business that we're going to enjoy? And I think one of our goals or objectives for the labels just to have fun. And if it's not fun anymore, then it's not worth doing. Yeah. And, you know, it goes up and down. You know, you get stressed out about things, but it's always fun. You know, making those connections with new people from, you know, across the U.S. or across around the world. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Were either of you involved with any labels prior to Upstate or did you just kind of decide to take the initiative of your own label? I know you said you yeah, did we, a little bit of recording and whatnot beforehand. Yeah, this we started this. We we weren't involved with any labels before. And when we started this, we wanted to kind of differentiate ourselves apart from the other labels. So we didn't want to just follow suit. We wanted to do something different. And I think that's where we took that family and friends motto and turned it into what we stand by. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were we had been doing label like stuff for a long time, but never officially jumped in until 2017 and said, all right, let's, let's call it a label, you know? And for the record, when we did start, we we're like, let's just start with maybe like one or two releases and see where it goes from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be wise to do that instead of trying to start with like 50 and right. just get you bury yourself at that point. Well, I think that first year we pumped out 12. Seven, yeah. Uh, quite a crazy. bit. Yeah. That's a pretty crazy schedule for the first year. Yeah. I think we're overachievers. <laughs> <laughs> You, no, we're super competitive with each other. Yeah. Mario, you said earlier you were in bands. That's weird. I was just about to ask that. Yeah. 
um, what kind of bands are you in? What what are the names? Is there any uh, anything out there? Yeah, um, some of the music is out there. It's mainly local to the Albany scene. I started, I hate to say it, but I'm 52 and have been playing since I was, you know, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. So it spans quite a bit. I've been in a lot of bands, you know, local hardcore bands. As far as anything that's out there, probably Built for Battle was the latest band where you could find the music. It's like a metallic hardcore Sounds like diecast. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah, I know diecast. Definitely sounds like diecast. Diecast is better. No, no question. But um, <laughs> it, it's along that style. You know, everybody's always modest about their own material. Well, diecast is definitely better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out still. And you just mainly played in local bands, like you said, and they're just kind of for fun. No um, real financial success in that, eh? Well, Bill for Battle was one of my return bands, you know, after going on being Mr. Dad for, yeah, for a yeah. while, right? And, you know, you started to approach it with a different perspective. You know, you're a little bit older, a little bit smarter. So, it was, you know, as I was kind of doing label-like stuff for Built for Battle, we are starting to gain some traction, starting to get some, you know, I don't know, um, exposure, if you will. And things were going in a really good direction. And it's like, all right, that's when I came home. And say, hey Kim, what do you think about starting a label? And <laughs> so I'm playing in Built for Battle. The label's growing, and then it just got to the point where you know I I needed to put the band on on hold so we could focus more on the label. Like you said, never enough time to do everything. Exactly. You know, every once in a while, somebody will hit me up and be like, hey, what do you think about coming out of retirement? And I'm like, <laughs> I haven't picked up my guitar or bass for five years aside from teaching my older boy some things on the guitar now how old are your children 14 11 and 9 yeah she's nine yeah she is she's nine well it changes every year so it's hard to remember their ages oh yeah right (laughs) so two boys and a girl right on i have a 12 year old son who's also big into playing guitar and uh all types of different music nice Mine's 15 and just likes to piss me off. <laughs> like, well, I mean, ours do that too. Just so to argue, just argues with me to argue, you know? He's going to listen to this. Steals my shoes. Like, and... Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And he won't, he'll, he won't swear, though. He'll just mouth it. Yeah. Got a I mean, little respect then. Definitely um, biggest reward in my life for sure. So I have found that redirection <laughs> when those conversations are happening, just pull in a question from you know, left field, whatever, completely derails. <laughs> yeah. So they'll be arguing. It's like, so what did you have for lunch? Oh, okay. And then next thing you know, they're just going off on a different tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Change the subject. So were you in any bands at all, Kim, or were you just more of a fan of the music? Um, No, I was never in any bands. I played the drums pretty much my whole life, but just for fun, leisure. Oh, you didn't want to talk about your hip hop thing? No, there was no hip hop thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I used to make like instrumental beats back in the day um, and pimp them out in college, you know, to hip hop, hip hop artists and everything. But no, just just drumming, loving music. Music's been a huge part of my life. So it's just naturally fitting to kind of get into it. And I have a background with um, like broadcasting, radio, TV production. So being able to do the videos and graphics, it, it just goes hand in hand with what we're doing. And it kind of just rounds it out nicely. Oh, yeah. Fully, she plays a mean rain and blood on the drums <laughs> nice 
I come home from work one day and I'm like, who the hell's jamming downstairs? And there she is, you know, <laughs> sweating tears out. and all. No. So I throw my work clothes down, pick up the guitar, and, you know, I wish we did that a little bit more. Yeah, every once in a while we'll jam together. Oh, that's cool. You guys should get something going. You put it out. You know the right people. You put it out. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know any labels that would put it out, though. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Might have Upstate somebody. Oh, no. Shop it around. I want to talk about some hip hop because. Our last guest wasn't big into hip hop, so we got slighted on it on an episode. Yeah, what's uh, what's some of the hip hop that you guys are into? Oh, definitely older, you know, late '80s, early '90s hip hop. I couldn't even tell you, you know, who's relevant out there today. I mean, I, (laughs) you know, I don't sound like I don't mean to sound like the old guy, but I am. (laughs) But there's something about that era of hip hop that I, I really enjoyed. You know, N.W.A., Biggie, Tupac, you know, all, all the yes, bigger, sir. you know. That's what I grew up on, like, when I was a little kid. That's what was on MTV and warped my mind as a, you know, five, six-year-old. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. What about really you, Kim? You said you were making, uh, you were making drum beat. How oh, yeah, I went through a nice phase of... I don't know, just I, sometimes I would play the instruments. Sometimes I would just cut up, you know, loops and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And or I'd make custom ones for some of the hip hop artists that were local to here. It was just a little side project that I like to do. Shit. That, you still do that? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no time. No time. <laughs> yeah, New York has a good scene for hip hop. Even now, like, there's still a lot of really good stuff out of that area. Yeah, like, like up in Buffalo. Yeah, like Benny the Butcher yeah. and um, Conway the Machine and all that stuff is really, it's very reminiscent of, like, the 90s Mob Deep, Nas, Wu-Tang style era. Hell yeah. We do have a cool upcoming single that features Wu-Tang. Yeah. Angry yeah. Corpse will be coming out with uh, their song Disorder, and it's got Capadonna from the Wu-Tang. Oh, really? Oh, nice. It's actually anyone who's got our comps, we put that on the oh, yeah. family and friends cop as well. I love that track. Yeah, that one came out great. Yeah, yeah. Complimented each other so well. Yeah, he killed it. Absolutely killed it. I always have notes at the end of our episodes. I'm going to check that out for sure. I did go through a few of the comps uh, last night and uh, a couple nights ago just to get a feel for all the bands. I mean, oh, there I there'd the- been a lot of them that I'd heard of, but obviously there's a numerous amount of bands on there, so I didn't get to hear every single one of them. But all good stuff, all, like, good metallic-y hardcore, like you guys were explaining, which is the, the style that I really like in hardcore. Yeah, I find, you know, they're, hardcore kids play metal music the best. <laughs> yeah. You know, um there there's a certain edge being in the hardcore scene you know it just takes a certain personality to gravitate towards the hardcore scene and when hardcore kids are playing metal music it's just literally music to my ears i just love the way it comes across it's a little bit more aggressive the lyrics a little bit more relevant to my personal taste you know they're singing about something rather than dragons and castles and all that kind of stuff right yeah i'm singing about dragons and castles yes (laughs) or or iron maiden you know they're singing about you know it's cool storyline stuff but it's not something that i really can relate to right but you take a band like fury of five and you know how can Uh you not relate to the lyrical content you know oh yeah dude we'd fucking throw that in a car and like get ready to go fucking fight somebody it was like 
at war with the world or this time it's personal like for at least three or four years till we found something that sounded almost as tough you know love yeah. that shit yeah they're they're a voice for a bad day you know definitely <laughs> yeah I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, We Give Zero Fucks is the name of the Capadonna song, correct? No, it's Disorder. We Give Zero oh. Fucks just came out. Yeah. So the Disorder one is just on that comp. We the, haven't the actually... Physical comp. Yeah, we haven't actually released that one yet. That'll be probably their next single. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see it right here. So kind of a sneak peek for that one, you know, anyone who purchased the comps. Uh, and, the, and that comp is really like a promotional thing, yeah. so... Yeah, they're a great idea. It reminds me of like Victory Records when they did that. Yeah. And Ferret had one. And I think Trustkill had one. All had samplers. Yeah, Thorpe. I still have all those. It's a good way well, to discover again, you new know, bands. It's all about discovery. So these samplers really help out. And we'll bring in bands outside the label. Hence, you know, the family and friends, our label artist, and then other bands that we've connected with. Um, we like to try and give them some shine as well. I did see you guys had cold as life cds on your website with i believe it was smash your enemies that it was bundled up with how yep. did you um, how did you dom, land cold as life cds was it okay it was dom yep dom uh worked out a wholesale deal and obviously you know, you know the detroit scene is very well collected yeah. or connected and that's why i did that bundle you know just focusing <laughs> on detroit bands i think annie up was part of that bundle package yeah. as well and uh, like you were talking about the metallic sound that, you know, that's like would be like our sister scene, I guess, to Alpina and um, all the way back to like negative approach, man, always had that metallic sound to it. You know, it was always like just a little bit tougher. I always thought with like your coldest life, more metallic in the hardcore vein. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. Walls of Jericho, another big one. Earth Mover, all had that metallic style too. Tyrant did. Tyrant, yeah. yeah. You know, and when we had the opportunity not to bring in Marauder, but when we had the opportunity to put out that Marauder album, you got to tip your hat to them. You know, this is going back to the early '90s, and mm -hmm. they were, you know, one of the ones that paved the way to allow folks to complement you know hardcore and metal together in that crossover fashion oh, yeah. master killer was like style. sort of the a paving way for yeah, that the blueprint. yeah even you know we just got the opportunity to see life of agony uh last week i seen they were on like a 20 year anniversary or a 30 year anniversary yeah track. 30 year and, supposed um, to go to the machine shop to see what a great album that was yeah what a great oh, show yeah. that was. dude that album's fucking classic i love that band some people I know that hate them, and I can, I guess I can level with you because sometimes the singing, I guess, can be off-putting. But I, I yeah. don't know. I think it blends great. I love them. I think it blends great, too. It's the lyrics for me. I mean, I don't... He can sound like whatever. It's just that writing's amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's beatdowns or breakdowns within breakdowns on that on that album. And to your point... The lyrics, you know, they speak to you. You know, there's uh -huh. there's a lot of agony, you know, <laughs> in those lyrics. It came through. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you guys got to see those guys. Like I said, um, they're supposed to come through Flint, Michigan, which is only like three and a half hours from here. Well, they sold out Albany here. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah, they're. I think they're selling out everywhere. almost everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and the venue that in Flint is very small, almost like a dive bar. It's totally a dive bar. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, what do you think? 
300 people at the most. I mean, I think they they definitely push it past that. But, yeah, I would say three, 400 people fit in there. Yeah. They play to a 1,000-plus cap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was wall-to-wall. Makes for a good pit. What are some of the uh, craziest hardcore shows that you guys have been to over the years? Craziest hardcore shows? Um, Jesus. I know, it's so hard to remember. You know, the, it's not. it wasn't a hardcore show, um, but it was, a, it was a metal show with a lot of dancing. And this was when Sepultura put out uh, Roots, Bloody Roots. They came through Albany with Fear Factor. And that was the first time I ever even heard of Fear Factor. So this is like the early 90s. And this venue was probably, I don't know, I think it was 1500. And literally from the stage to the back of the venue, everybody was just going bonkers. Everybody. I've never seen anything like that since then. But we had this other venue called the QE2 in Albany. And that was like maybe 100... 125 cap and that would pack it and every show <laughs> would be just off the wall you know people dancing but i would say you know sepultura was probably the one that really really sticks out for me as far as just being absolutely bonkers <laughs> yeah they would be a crazy show i've never gotten to see them but i've seen live videos and then like i've seen videos of nail bomb quite a bit and stuff but two bands that i never got the chance to see did you you said you're 52. Sorry for bringing that up again. But, uh, <laughs> ouch, ouch. <laughs> I was going to ask him, did you ever get the chance to go to CBGB's at all while it was open? I did not. That was, you know, what it was, I'll be honest with you, back in the day, as people will say, um, Albany just had such an incredibly rich scene. And we're, Albany was like maybe two, it's like two hours, two and a half hours from New York City. Right. And just all the New York City bands would come up here as like a second home. Yeah, um, so, so why leave? Right, there was no yeah, reason. Yeah, there was no reason to really leave. And the the scene was so rich. A lot of these New York City or out-of-town bands will be opening up for our local bands um, because they just had such a presence here. It was, it was crazy. But to answer your question, no, I never got to see or attend a CBGB's matinee show. Yeah, Before. I never have either. I'm not, I'm only thir- I'll be 32 here soon, so I'm not really that old. It was pretty much closed up by the time I was even of age to get my ass over there, and I didn't have the money to get over there. <laughs> what about you, Kim? Do you have any crazy concert stories? Let's see. I think one of the funniest things that ever happened, and this wasn't necessarily like the crowd was going nuts. We're down in Scranton, and I'm on the stage filming, and some guy comes flying across the room, boots me fall off the stage into the PA, take the PA system down. <laughs> and it turns out to be the lead singer for one of our bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was ready to kill him at first. <laughs> she had a nice boot mark yep. uh, on her back for a while. But Yeah, I used to know a guy whose nickname was Boots <laughs> for that exact reason. Well, not the exact reason, but, but close to the same reason. <laughs> well, these things happen. It was fine. Yeah, I just, survived. You got to keep your head on the swivel. Yeah. Yeah. I've always uh, been a little cautious at shows, I guess, because I, I get weary of people standing too close behind me. So I like to be in vision of everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Me, I just run around like an idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> I have the, the cushion from behind. Yeah. I, I have the scars and dislocated digits 
all that fun stuff. What were some of the bands that originally got you into hardcore in the first place? Like, obviously, you've gone this far with creating this labor love label and making it such a big part of your life. What brought you to that point originally? I think it was it, it was really seeking out heavier and heavier and more meaningful music. You know, my parents were um, more or less into like Motown, but I gravitated towards, you know, kind of the heavier style, if there is such, like Sly and the Family Stone is one that, you know, sticks out. So it just progressively went in, got into metal, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and then that transitioned into like Metallica, but even Metallica back then just really wasn't doing it for me. And then you get into Slayer and right around that time, you know, kids were starting to bring um, hardcore tapes to school and we're like, yeah, well, check this out. So a band um, called Breakdown is one that really is like, yo, what's this all about? And then I remember vividly seeing Cro-Mags on Headbangers Ball, uh, We Got to Know video. Mm. That just sold it for me. So bands like Breakdown, Cro-Mags, Sick of It All, those, are, those right there is what really got me into it and like we've been talking the albany scene was just blowing up with this metallic hardcore because a lot of kids played metal back then but then the influence of new york city it just took off from there so local bands that got me into the hardcore scene as well um you know stigmata cutthroat dying breed all all those bands that are you know that represent the, the upstate area back then is what really did it for me. Yeah, that's cool. You have Cutthroat, too, on your label, I noticed. Yeah, there's like five different five, Cutthroats yeah, I was out gonna there. Because we had one here, too, locally in Albany. Yeah, there was a local Cutthroat oh. you know, in the early 90s, and they've, you know, obviously have since the band, been you know. banded. But there's actually two Cutthroats. There's the Cutthroats. And that's then, the one that's on our label. Yeah. Okay. And then, oh, okay. And then there's Cutthroats. And we're actually friends with cut the cut with cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I got it. It. I got oh, that's cool though. What about you, Kim? What got you into hardcore? So I kind of grew up a little bit more outside of the scene. I grew up in the middle of kind of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Heavy music was always huge. My brothers were into more of the eighties hair bands and stuff like that, but I loved Metallica. That was definitely one of my favorite bands growing up. It wasn't until I I met Mario, really, when I was 21. I'm a little bit younger, so I did miss a lot of those early day scenes. But You're 21 I, now? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I was 21 when I met you, and I think you brought me to a show, and I just absolutely loved it. And that's what, you know, sparked it for me. I think, I want to say it was actually Mudvayne was the first one you brought me to, was it? Yeah, I think it was Mudvayne. Yeah, Mudvayne. I mean, we had a little local scene here in Glens Falls, So as a teenager, um, you know, the bands would be playing around here, but all local stuff, you know. Yeah. And then how far is that from Albany then? About 45 minutes. Oh, okay. That's like literally out in the boonies then, eh? Oh, definitely. Yeah, but it's nice up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would. uh, I've seen pictures. It seems all right. Yeah, we're like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Lake George, but we're like five minutes away from, you know, a pretty decent tourist spot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I've heard it's of really it. It's like a quaint town. It's it, almost old-fashioned looking. Yeah, it's it's a nice area to raise kids, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
That's kind of how it is where we are. It's kind of old-timely looking in certain areas and has a like a 50s feel on certain buildings, really. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we're right in the middle because we're right on the highway. So we get tra- travelers going from Canada to New York all the time traveling through here. Okay. So, Kim, you mentioned that before you got into heavy music, you were into music still. What was some of the stuff that you were into when you were younger? That's a good question. So I was kind of into many different styles. I mean, I grew up early on loving classical music, getting into the heavier stuff and, you know, Metallica was definitely a big one, but I definitely went through a huge hip hop phase. And that was probably predominantly what I listened to growing up. It was that nineties hip hop that we talked about earlier with Dre and Snoop Dogg and Lil Kim and, did <laughs> of course, you... how could you not look? Fucking golden era, <laughs> man. They actually used to call me Lil' Kim in high school. Yeah, I was going to ask but... if anybody ever referred to you as Lil' Kim, or if you had a Lil' Kim poster, or if your hip-hop <laughs> name when you were making beats was somehow in reference no, to No, no, I never had a, a code name, a stage name or anything. Code uh, name. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> Mario's laughing because I did. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you throw yourself under the bus. <laughs> So I like, Jeremy and I are both into numerous genres of music. Like I listen to metal, hip hop, hardcore, jazz, uh, classical music, country music, singer songwriter stuff. Like I'm all over the place. Pretty much anything except polka. I can't do polka. No. Or or mariachi music, which is basically just polka still. (laughs) But anyways, we like to ask what is some stuff that you're into that people wouldn't expect that you're into oh for me it's definitely you know i don't know if i want to call it like like motown but outside you know that kind of style of music you know i i dig it yeah. i really do you said I love the in the family zone it. i heard R&B, that soul like, funk like Curtis Mayfield and exactly. brothers johnson um, and stuff like that who's it uh, like james brown yeah. You know, that a little bit more higher or upbeat, higher energy type of, you know, Motown music. I guess it's, is it Motown? I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I would call it funk. I would call it funk. Yeah, yeah funk. funk. Like Parliament and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's less polished than Motown was. Motown just wanted to be kind of cut clean radio hits and just keep pumping them out that was like their thing it makes sense that you would be into into that because it's faster paced if that's your uh how your brain works and obviously it does because you fucking run a like a metal hardcore label yeah i like you know stuff that's kind of in your face yeah but but melodic too like um I don't know, like grindcore is a little tough for me to wrap my head around, you know, or some of the death metal or uh, black metal is another one that, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's I appreciate great, it. well produced and everything, but it just doesn't get us moving, you yeah. know? I like the groove. Makes sense. Yeah, I like can a understand huge in the new metal. We listen to a lot of black metal in the winter yeah. here because it's cold as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't really do it in the summer because it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't hit you the same. I like to feel freezing when I'm listening to my Dark Throne. <laughs> yeah, right. And in that said, even that that older black metal sounds real punk rocky compared to mm-hmm. the newer polished stuff, anyway. Which is what draw I'm more drawn to that myself. Yeah. I don't remember if Kim answered. Do you have any guilty pleasure stuff that people wouldn't expect you would listen to? I got to say, it's probably the classical. Most people probably wouldn't pick up on that. Yeah. 
Oh, like, Spice Girls or I don't <laughs> no. know. Like, <laughs> I gotta say, I did like them for a hot second when they came out, but not for long. Damn. No, I was never into like some of that just mainstream pop. Yeah. That was my style. No, I liked more of the dirty underground hip hop, you know. Yeah, I kind of started on hip hop young too. I didn't get into jazz and like Motown and classic stuff till I was a little bit older because every kid goes through that arrogant phase of like, if it isn't this, I can't listen to it. Or I don't want my friends to know that I listen to Adele or, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, what you like. It's, It's personal to you. And that's what music is. Yeah. And music is art. You know, it's just like anything that's up on the wall. You look at it. It may connect with you. It may not. And that's okay. And I don't need, you know, if it connects with me, I don't need to judge Kim because it doesn't. Right. Kim, you should like this. You know, <laughs> who cares? You know, that's your personal perspective. Yeah. You just throw it in her face all day. Like, yeah. why don't you like this? <laughs> <laughs> and our musical styles are definitely a little bit different from each other. You know, I'll, I'll lean more to the hardcore new metal side where he's hitting more on the metal metal side. Gotcha. Like thrash. Yeah, more thrashy metal. Yeah, well, he did say he grew up with a little bit of the thrash stuff, so people are often reminiscent of what they grew up with. I like good musicianship. Yeah. Yeah. I can go both ways. Like, I can appreciate a side of things that are entertainment, but when it boils down to it, like, it's got to have some type of substance to it to for me to grasp onto it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's got to be believable. Yeah, that's a big Authentic. thing. Authentic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I know you guys said you're busy on time, so I don't want to keep you all day. But um, for any bands that are out there that are looking to possibly get in contact with your label um, or start up some type of process of signing to your label, you want to like shout that out to let them know how they can do that? Sure. The best way for an artist submission, there is a form on our website. Um, it's over in the contact section. And it's basically, you know, who you are, where you're going, just a couple things. That's probably the best way. If not, they can hit us up at info at upstaterecordsny.com. Um, and shoot us over an email. Sending over EPKs, it's definitely please. A plus. <laughs> and if you don't know what an e- EPK is, that's an electronic press kit. It's basically, uh, yeah, you know, was, I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay. <laughs> contains all your details your bio you know any videos anything you have going on your music it puts it all into like kind of a one sheet okay yeah so it's like a little uh about me type of thing yeah and yeah. it's that flashy like you know first impression yeah you know, if music, it looks good it's, it's gonna draw music attention resume. In. yeah and, and no disrespect to any bands that have done this um it's really hard to get somebody's attention when you just drop a link <laughs> yeah and, right. with, no like, text with, it. with no text you're just like okay what do you want me to do with this you know i checked it out it's great are you submitting or aren't you so are you just having off <laughs> yeah definitely you know pitch yourself sell yourself that makes sense because i kind of thought that going without saying yeah but, uh, i would think it would go without know. saying but i don't know this Fucking is the age of the link. internet so yeah but we see everything yeah that's yeah I mean, like I, you were saying when people just drop like one thing and they don't say anything about it it's like okay who are you what do you want and then they'll come back you know a couple of days later hey what'd you think of it you know 
do you want to sign us? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you don't need, that's like walking into a place and going like, hey, I'm here to work and then leaving and then coming back in. Like, I, so are you giving me a job or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without naming any names, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but have you guys had any like real bad experiences with bands or has it been overall pretty good? I'd say overall, yeah. it's been really good. We have anything that's been a bad experience I wouldn't really call it a bad experience. It was really just sometimes visions don't align with each other. So if an artist is looking for one direction, but we're moving another direction, it's just not the right fit, you know? Yeah. So to overcome those type of things is just open communication. Mm -hmm. And we, we say that at the beginning of the release cycle. Hey, if you're feeling something, talk to us. Because if you don't, all, we can't fix it. We can't fix it. And all you're going to do is just fester. And what may have been a little thing will turn into a bigger thing because we haven't been had a chance to talk about it. That sounds like so, a relationship. That's relationship logic yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why this is a partnership with these artists. Definitely. That's fucking rad, though, that you guys are that upfront with them. And, you know, you could be cooking dinner and they could call you. I think that's really great. Which happens many times. I'm sure it does. <laughs> That's why they make speakerphone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but all right, I don't really have anything else for you guys here. Um, Jeremy, you got anything else you want to plug off before I start saying goodbye? No, I just, um, I appreciate what you guys do and uh, keep on doing it. And, and likewise, you know, we appreciate, you know, these, you know, people like you, you guys doing these podcasts just helps keep the music scene alive and it, it provides another perspective to the artists or labels that you're interviewing. Um, and it just kind of levels the playing field, so to speak, and gets people out there and supports what we're all trying to do and keep this scene alive. Yeah. We like to try to bring new music to people. I'm always trying to pitch things to customers at the store and friends. And that's kind of how we started this thing is Jeremy and I were just always for years sharing music back and forth or, and whenever we'd hang out, we'd just be talking pretty much how we do during the podcast. Like, so record this yeah, shit. We were like, well, why don't we uh, buy a roadcaster and record it? <laughs> nice. But yeah, thank you guys for taking the time to jump on the show. I really appreciate it. And I hope the uh, European expansion goes well and all that serves to be um, good for you guys. Oh, thank you very much. And wish you guys all the success in the world. And we'll be sure to share across our socials as well. Yeah, much appreciated. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Yep, you guys have a good weekend. And thanks again. Right. You got it. Take we'll care. talk soon. Take care. Take care.